Hello, good morning. My name is Mark. As you've already heard, I'm on here, the team here. It is always a privilege and honour to be uh, speaking with you. Um, we actually start a new series this morning. Uh, and some of you would have known uh, before Christmas, our Christmas series, we had a series entitled The Jesus Stories. And we spent a few weeks looking at Jesus and who he was. And we invited you to break some boxes. You know, we all construct boxes that we put God in, and that was really a box-breaking exercise. And as a team, it was so encouraging to hear your feedback, um, how blessed you were by that. And so we decided to revisit the Jesus stories. And so here we are, part two of the Jesus stories, and where on the first part we looked at who Jesus was and is, what we decided to do in the next five weeks is look at some of Jesus' stories, teachings whether it be through his parables or, or, or directly. And so I get to kick that off. And the great thing about preaching first in this series is you get to pick the first one, which was pretty cool. So I thought, given that I, when I last preached in the Jesus stories, I, I picked uh, Jesus' first miracle, I thought I'd pick Jesus' first parable. Any guesses? Chris gave you some hints already. Oh, come on. Jesus taught about... Sower, farmer and the sower, sowing the seed. That's what I'm going to talk about. And it's a wonderful parable. We can learn so much about it. And I don't know about you, but often when I hear about parables and I, and, and I recollect the parables that have been told to me, I often kind of remember them as, uh, as a child growing up. Some of you do the same? You know, and, and you kind of automatically consign them to the Sunday school box, don't you? And you think, and I mentioned this last time, we move on to really deep theological stuff. We'll move on to the, you know, to the epistles. But the reality is, is that we, we need to spend more time. All of that stuff is fine, the deep theological conversations, but you know, let's make the main thing the plain thing. And let's look about what Jesus said directly. And the thing about this parable is, like me, you might have been taught it around the lines of, this is what salvation is. In other words, this is a parable about being either saved or not saved. And absolutely, this parable is about that. But the thing is, is if you only think it's about that, as Christians, we can just forget about it and say, well, I can't learn anything more from that. That's certainly me. But what I'm going to say this morning is that this parable is as much for Jesus' followers as it is for those that have yet to know him. You know, whether life is going great or life is going terrible for you right now, this parable, this word this morning is for you. You know, whether you had an argument in the car on the way to church because you're running late, it happens. Or you were, you know, praying and singing songs, that also happens. This word is for you. You know, whether you're desperate to hear from God this morning, or whether, quite frankly, Mark, I couldn't care less, this word is for you this morning. You know, whether you have never been on as far for God as you have been right now, or you're feeling completely lukewarm, good news, this word is for you this morning. I think I've covered everybody, have I? I think you fit somewhere there, I do. Now, I want to, before we go into the text, I want to picture the scene, set the scene for you, right? Jesus has been teaching for a while now, and there is quite a big multitude and crowd following him around. He's been doing some miracles. He's appointed the 12. And here we are, his first parable. And he gets ready to speak, and there is so many people that want to listen to Jesus. He says to the disciples, let's get a boat and let's move out a bit. Because I'm going to fall into that water. They're encroaching on me. And what a perfect example. I think that was probably the first pulpit, I reckon. The boat. There he was in his pulpit, speaking to all these people. You can imagine the scene. There's Jesus. He's going out in the boat. 
and their hush descended. What's he gonna say? And I love this. Do you know how Jesus starts his first parable? With one word, you ready? Listen! Exclamation mark. I find that strange. Why, Lord, do you need to say, listen, they're there. They're already waiting. They're already watching. Why do you need to say, listen? We come, don't we? We follow. We sit. We watch. But are we listening? Are we really listening? Or maybe you're thinking about the Sunday roast and the fact that you forgot to put the timer on the oven. Whoops. If that's you, you've got permission to go out and come back and get it on. It's fine. <laughs> or maybe you're thinking about that important meeting tomorrow. Or maybe you're thinking about something else. I think we know each other well enough by now, right? But I can challenge you. Is that okay? Listen. Because this word has life for you this morning, whoever you are. And so with that, why don't we turn to the first parable. It's found in the book of Mark, chapter 4. Chapter 4, we're going to read from verses 1 to 8, and then I want to read from 13 to 20. It's going to come up on the screen as well. Are you ready for this? Are you turned? Matthew, Mark, here we go. Let me start reading this. Chapter 4, verse 1. There it is on the screen. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, you can imagine the scene. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching he said, Listen! A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And then Jesus says again, it's not on the screen, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And then let's move on to verses 13 to 20. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? This is what happens. I've put that bit in myself. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word which was sown to them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown amongst thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now I want to make sure we're all on the same page. We're going to have a go at quick fire round. Questions, are you ready? I hope you listened. Question number one, who is the sower or the farmer? Who does he represent? God, yep, good, the father, wonderful. Ready? Question number two, I like this. And what is the seed? What does that represent? 
The word. Oh, you're very good. Well done. Third one. Are you ready? This is a bit more tricky, maybe. And who represents the path, the rocky places, the soil? Us. Us. Well done. Three out of three. Bonus round. Are you ready? You're going to like this. More specifically, which part of our anatomy or us does these places represent? Oh, you are very good. Give yourself an applause. The heart. That's it. The heart. We can move on from the quiz show. Don't worry. I won't stay there too long. It is the heart. You see, I want to just say this from the start. It isn't the head. Why am I talking about this? Why am I staying on this point? You see, it's so easy to have good intentions. An intellectual assent, an agreement, yeah, that's good. But if it stays there, you're not going to bear any fruit. It's the heart that changes good intentions into action. It's the heart that changes the way we think about things, our attitudes, our worldview. It's the heart that puts in motion what we've agreed with our head. It's the heart. And so Jesus is talking about the heart here. He's talking to a people who have a heart condition. It's about the heart. Now let me say here as well something else I want to touch on which I find interesting. Verse 4, it says that the farmer was scattering. Present tense. Let me just say this. This might be a bit of a correction. God is still today scattering his word. God is still today speaking. This is not he scattered and that's it. And some of us, we have closed our hearts because we think that God has stopped speaking to us. I want to say, before we dive into the text, as a reminder, God is scattering his word today. God is scattering his word this morning to you, to your hearts. He hasn't stopped. He is still scattering this morning. And we see that there's four responses to the scattering of his word. And what I want to do is unpack these four things together. This constitutes the main part of the teaching here. The first one, we read verse four, that the the, the seed was scattered on the path. What happened, the bird comes and takes the seed. And we can see here that Jesus' explanation, as soon as the word comes, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown. That's harsh, isn't it? Not even an opportunity to sprout anything. It's like the word comes from God and bang, the enemy just takes it away. Seemingly no impact, no chance of fruit. But how is that even possible, right? Fair question. How does Satan do that? You want to know? He seeds a counter word. He seeds a lie. That's how he robs the word. In fact, in Luke's account of this, chapter 8, verse 5, it says the seed, the word was trampled on. In other words, rubbished. You're going to spread your love in the community. Well, no, you're not. You can't do that. You're going to have no impact whatsoever. Oh, yeah, right. You're going to be a mighty woman of prayer. You're going to see breakthrough. No, you're not. You're way too much of a sinner for God to listen to you. I mean, look at your life. How can you even think about seeking God and praying? Oh. You're going to go and pray for that person over there at the end of the service because you've got a word for them. Oh, you're not. You don't hear from God. Oh, you see my point? The birds, they come and swoop the word away. You know, as Rich mentioned, uh, we were at the NLC. 
a great time. And uh, on Thursday afternoon, Rich and I were uh, in Eleanor Mumford's seminar on stewarding the work of the Holy Spirit. Eleanor Mumford, as many of you know, her and uh, John were the previous national leaders of the movement in the UK. Um, and John and Debbie Wright took over that last year. And uh, we were sitting there and um, <clears throat> Ellie was doing a great job talking about ministering the spirit. And she had a story that her and John uh, about two weeks ago were at a church and teaching them how to pray in the spirit. You know, we've often taught on the five-step prayer model. You know, just as an aside, let's not take for granted how God has equipped us as a body to pray for people. You know, we think that everyone does No, they don't. People are still learning how to minister in the spirit. And I'm not saying the five-step model is the only way to do it. I'm not saying that. But it's a great framework for us to be able to pray for everybody. Everybody gets to play. That's the DNA of Vineyard. Let's not take that for granted. And she was telling a story of this girl, and, she, and they, they taught. And that lunchtime in the, on the Sunday, this girl went to prep a manger to get a sandwich. And she's in the queue, and there's a few people in front of her. And the Lord says, I've, I've got a word for that, for that girl serving I went to give her the word, and she's like, oh, the birds, they're hovering. And all of a sudden, these people just departed, and there she is left in front. And she goes, oh. So she goes, I'm going to give the word. She goes, I am a prophet. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Talk about boldness. I love it. She goes, I've got a word from God for you. God says you're going to be a wonderful mother. All of a sudden, the lady starts crying. She goes, I've just found out I'm pregnant. Her partner hadn't even known yet. But then this. The girl praying found out that this lady had booked an abortion for that Thursday. Which she then cancelled. You want to see fruit? That's fruit. The birds. But why is it? Why is it? That the word wasn't stolen because she knew who she was. She knew the authority she had in Christ Jesus. She knew that she was a royal priesthood. And that is the thing you see. We can be susceptible to the counter lie because we don't know who we are. (laughs) You see this? The lies only work when we agree with it because we don't know that they are wrong. Jesus says you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Romans 8:37. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Philippians 4:13. God says he's going to do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine. Ephesians 3:20. God says you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2, 9. God says he loves you. Are you going to listen to that? Are you going to get into his word? Because that is what's going to protect you from the birds. Let me encourage you this morning. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to who you are, your position. Because position comes before doing. Being comes before doing. I could stay here forever, but we should move on. We've got three more. Second, verse five. On rocky places, it sprang up quickly, but didn't have enough soil. So when the sun came up, they were scorched. And, and Jesus explained it as this. 16, 17, they hear the word and once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, 
they fall away. Now, have you seen that in your life? I've seen it in mine. God said, do something, and it's not as if you don't believe it. You say, yeah, I'm gonna do that, Lord. In fact, your spirit agrees with God's spirit. You know what, I think that's a definition of joy. (laughs) When we are perfectly aligned, joy comes. You can have that one for free. (laughs) And so you make a start, and you see some fruit, but what happens, the heat of the sun comes, and you start feeling hot. Persecution. Let me just say this about persecution. You know, we can very quickly move on from this because I don't know about you, but when I hear the word persecution, I automatically go to the most extreme form of persecution. And you know what? There has never been such a time as this that the church is is persecuted right now with horrific things. And we need to, and this is a reminder for me more than anyone, pray for the church. Lord, I just pray right now that you would just bless your people that are being persecuted. Would you set them free? Would you pour your spirit upon them? Would you visit them? Would you protect them? Would you sustain them? Would they not be scorched by the sun? Would you pour your living water upon them? And help us to remember your church and pray for it, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. But what I want to say is this, is persecution isn't just that. You know, the definition is hostility or ill treatment because of your own beliefs, your religious beliefs, or whatever that belief might be. And so you might see that in your own life. You might see it in your family. What are you doing being a Christian? Listen, I'm, I'm sorry, but until you sort that out, I'm just, I don't want to spend time with you. That happens, bless you. Or in work, you're sidelined because of your faith. Well, he's weird. I don't know why he doesn't do that or say that or come and get drunk with us. It happens. Bless you. I want to encourage you. Don't allow the sun to wither you and don't give up. I think there's about three or four people here in a similar situation that are about to give up. I'm not saying on on God, on faith, I'm saying on that stance that you've made, or that position that you've taken, or that way of life you've decided to lead. If that is you, don't give up. Jesus' living water is there. Go down deep in him. Spend time in his presence. Say, Lord, would you fill me? You know, let me encourage you with this psalm. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 at the very beginning. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But instead, those who delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his Lord day and night. In other ways, those that choose holiness. That person, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and listen, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. You know, Paul, when he was writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, if you want to make a note, says, you know, if everybody who follows holiness will be persecuted. You cannot avoid hostility and ill treatment at times in your life when you press into God. It's going to come up. The question is, the question is, are you going to wither? question is, are you going to allow the sun to scorch you? And I'm not saying it's easy, friend, I've been there, but I pray that you would be strengthened in the Lord. Make a resolution to say, Lord, would you help me in this time? Let's move on. How many have we done? Two, right, halfway through. Third, other seed fell among thorns, this is verse seven, which grew up and choked the plants, they did not bear grain. And Jesus explains in verse 18 and 19, the word comes, but here we go, three things. The worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, make it unfruitful. Okay, here's another scenario that you might have experienced when God gives you a word. 
You receive the word. You start to move in it because you know who you are. You see some fruit. There's no persecution here. In fact, things are going quite well, but something is choking. The enemy is trying to put you off course. What have we got? Worries of this life, finances, friendships, how you're perceived, general fears. Have you stopped doing something because of those things? I have. You know, it was interesting. When I was at NLC, I was um, had an opportunity to type some notes out for, for this talk. And I saved it on Dropbox. I thought, well, when I get home, I can go onto my computer and I can sync, of course, and print it out. So I get home. Don't worry, there is, there is a point to all this. Um, and I go into my Dropbox and I sort by date modified. And uh, so I can see the latest one. And I noticed, I noticed that in fact the first sermon, the first preach I did was three years ago this month. There you go, I thought that's kind of interesting. But you know, prior to me preaching, I was a reluctant worship leader. I say reluctant not because I didn't recognize the call on my life to worship lead at that season, but because I allowed fears and worries of this life to derail me, if it's the truth be told. I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, I think as you grow in, in, a, in a ministry, you grow in a calling, you sometimes make mistakes, things don't always go right, and I think what happened was it just threw me. And so what happened was whenever, uh, and, and I saw a measure of fruit there, but whenever someone said, right, can you lead this? I was like, no, no I'm fine. I can't. Um, I'm busy that day. Or I used to make excuses. Slowly, slowly what happened was is that the fruit was choked. And I look back and I think, it's a shame. So when three years ago, you see, I told you there was a point, Chris asked me to preach. My initial response in my head was, no chance. But I thought, no, wait a minute. God's got a purpose. And by the grace of God, I hope that I'm bearing fruit for him. And so I I share this to encourage you to say, you might be in the middle of something. You might think, you might feel as if things are going well. Indeed they are, but you might stumble a bit. Don't let that stumbling choke you. Because there's fruit for you. There's fruit for you. If if you're in that place, let me encourage you. Make a a resolution now. Not just a good intention, but a change of heart attitude to say, no, I'm going to press in. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to allow the enemy to choke it. What else do we see? Deceitfulness of wealth. You know, I want to say about wealth, and Chris talked about this last week with stewardship. Wealth itself is not a bad thing. It's not the issue. In fact, as, as Chris looked at Deuteronomy 8, verse 18, wealth is a demonstration of God's covenant. The problem here is the deceitfulness of wealth. What does deceitfulness of wealth mean? You know, I've, I've been in my life uh, situations where I've had not a lot of money and I've been in a situation where I've had a lot of money and all things in between. And I have recognized in my life that <clears throat> when we have a lot, when I have a lot, there is a tendency to push back, to pull back. Because this is what happens. The wealth says this, or the enemy says this. Wow, look what you've achieved, Mark, by your hand. Yeah, that's pretty good. Look what I've got. You don't really need to keep praying like you have done because, well, you've got the resources on your own. I'm being very transparent, honest here. I'm telling you what. <laughs> maybe some of you can resonate with that. Any encouragement? Yeah. Oh, good. It's not just me. Thank you. Preach it. And that's what... That's what it means by deceitfulness of wealth. You see, wealth has the number one lie that the enemy got Adam and Eve in the garden, which is this, the lie of independence. I don't need God. As soon as you go to that place, you stop bearing fruit. And you know, let me tell you as as an aside, as, 
I found that in my life, daily, I have to, I, not have to, but I want to, is thank you, Lord, for everything you have given me. Thank you for this lovely home. Thank you for this thing. Thank you for that thing. Because it keeps you humble. Thanksgiving keeps you humble. As soon as you stop thanking God for what he has given you and for his provision, then pride starts seeping in ever so slowly. So I'd encourage you, thank God every day. Thank him. Have a list of things. It's a a spiritual discipline because it, it keeps things in right perspective that he is the creator and we are the created. That all good things come from heaven above. It's all his, quite frankly. It's all his. Don't allow the deceitfulness of wealth to come and choke it. About third thing, desire for other things, distractions. I think those that know me well will probably know that this is the biggest thing for me, distractions. I seem to have a long list of things I want to do. I'll do this, I'll do this, do this. And <laughs> these guys are laughing in the front. Chris and Dan are like, oh yeah. Steph's like, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's true, Mark. Focus. You know, it's not that the distractions in them, thank you guys for the encouragement. <laughs> it's not that these things in themselves are wrong, okay? And this is why distractions are quite complex. It's not like right or wrong. It's, these things could be the best thing ever. It's just what is God calling me to do right now and what do I need to focus on? And before you know it, and I've done it in my life, I've, I've departed so far because I've, I've done an, an additional pursuit that I think has been so great and I've seen my crop wither on the other side. Wait a minute, how did I get here? And you know, all I can say is way of encouragement and, and, and to share some of how I process that is you've got to be, keep close to God. Lord, what are you saying today? Lord, what do you want me to do? John 5.19, a bit of an anchor text, a theme for the vineyard. We only see that, we only do that which we see the Father do. There's a lot in that. What are you doing in this moment, Lord? What do you want me to do? How are we going? Should we move on? Fourth and last one. This is a good one. I like this one. Other seed fell on good soil. It came up, produced crops, and multiplied 30, 60, and 100 times. And Jesus says, other to hear the word, here we go, important, accept it and produce a crop. Good news, the soil is rich with the nutrients of God, and, and we see some fruit. What does it mean to accept it? Here's a few things. Accept that this word is for you. You might want to jot these down as a, as a helpful tips. Accept this word is for you as a child for God. Yes, thank you, Lord, that you can enable me to do this. Accept that God can and will bring it to pass in your life. Now, this one's a tricky one because it doesn't always mean that when God says something, it's going to happen there and then. I'm still waiting for words to come true, but I know that from God and in his time and in his season, they will happen. And some of you have forgotten those words because you've given up, because you think, well, you should have done it by now, God. I think it was a, uh, three weeks ago when Chris was pre- uh, speaking, he said, some of you need to pick those words up again and keep praying them. If you've got a word and you've forgotten it because you think God should have done it by now, don't give up. Don't give up. Accept that God has the best for you, that this is the best path. You know, Sometimes, and I've done, I'm like, oh Lord, really? I think if you actually looked at the facts, God, as if I know, you'll find that this is a better approach. No, except that God knows what he's doing. I tell you, I've been on some paths to where I'm at that I would quite frankly never have narrated, never have written down, and yet here I am. But I look back and I know that that was the best path for me. 
Except, here we go, that his presence will empower you to walk in it. Not by my strength, but by his. Except that, God, except that he is good always. This is hard. Because, you know, <clears throat> we can often look at God through the lens of, of temporalness. In other words, in my specific situation, as if we can reduce God's goodness into a moment of time and then define who God is by that. Let me say God is always good. Yes, I do mean always good. Yes, I do mean always good. Yes, I do mean always good. He cannot change. He is not a man that he should lie. God is always good. Yes, I'm speaking to you over there. I'm speaking to you and you and you. Why am I laboring on this? Because the Holy Spirit is saying to me that we need to listen to this word. God is always good. Are you listening? Good. But let me say, there is even a risk with this scenario that I've seen it in many people's lives. You want to you hear it? We compare our crop. I find it interesting that Jesus said in here, where is it? 30, 50, 60 times, 60, 100 times. Why is, why is my fruit so small? Look at his. I've worked double the amount of time and he's worked half the amount of time and yet his fruit is bigger than mine. I don't understand. I thought you told me to do this, God, and look, there's this minimal fruit. And look, at, they're not even thinking about it and look at the fruit they've got. I've got some laughter. I think that's, yes, you're right, Mark. It happens. You know, I, I uh, play squash. I've got to get back into it, actually, and bachelor drive. And as you come back down, there's beautiful fields. And um, as I was playing through the year, I used to love driving down there because the different seasons, you could see the fields were in different ways. And, and, and you can learn so much about God by nature, by the way. Uh, and I remember looking at, in harvest time, the crop, and I, and I was going through a particular business endeavor at the time, and I was saying, God, what am I going to get from this? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? And God says, I determine the harvest. I determine the harvest, and that's the same in the natural. God determines the harvest. We have our part to play, but God determines the harvest, whether it be 30, whether it be 60, whether it be 100. 100. And the problem you see in the impact of comparing is that this, we complain to God. We stop producing fruit, we have offense, and before we know it, we wind up being the path. I've got this word for you. Well, no, you haven't, because last time I did that, didn't work. No, thank you. I just want to encourage you. Don't look at other people. Don't compare yourself. God has prepared good works for you to walk in before time. For you. Now, the last few minutes, we've kind of come to the end of that exposition, of, and hopefully that's been helpful. A bit of a smorgasbord of, of principles and, and information and teaching there that I trust the, the Lord has been ministering to you. But, you know, we wouldn't, it wouldn't be right to move on from this parable without seeing the character of the farmer. Because, you know, the great thing about this is it reveals the father's heart. And I want to just spend the last moments on this. It's wonderful. Now, this farmer is no ordinary farmer. He's not like a farmer that you and I would know. Why do I know that? Because verse 4, it says, the farmer scattered his seed everywhere. Now, this has really bothered me. I was telling some of these guys as I was processing through. I kept reading, why would a farmer do that? Now, the Israelites would have known that a farmer does not do that. 
They prepare the soil and they carefully put their seed in, right? You've all seen that. So why on earth is this farmer doing this? What? That's bothered me. An experienced farmer doesn't do that with the price, with the costly seed. And yet, you know where I'm going with this. The father scatters seed everywhere. And this shows us two wonderful things about our father. Firstly, his abundance and his endless resource. God's word doesn't run out. He has more than enough for us all. He doesn't have a quota. He doesn't have stock limitations. He doesn't have working capital issues. It's costly to him, but he has more than enough. I love that. Romans 11:13. Oh, the depth. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. What about Psalm 24, verse 1? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He can afford to scatter. He has more than enough for you. And some of you may be here saying to me, Mark, this doesn't apply to me. I've kind of used all up the seed. God hasn't much more for me. Yes, he has. He's continually scattering. And secondly, I'll invite the band up at this point. He scatters even on areas where he knows won't bear fruit. And this has really bothered me. Why on earth would a farmer bother scattering seed on a path? I just don't get it. Hasn't it struck you as you read this parable? What kind of farmer is this? Why waste, why waste your word on places that won't bear fruit? If I was the farmer, I would be like, right, okay, I have got a lot of this seed. I'm not going to run out, but I'm only going to focus on the places that are going to bear fruit, right? But no, this father, why? His love for all mankind. Where else have we seen this? Where else have we seen such extravagance, such pouring out? Where else has it cost God everything and yet he gave it away freely for all mankind? Where? The scattering of his son's blood. The scattering of his son's blood that every man, every woman would come to know him and be saved. You know, the great um, Victorian preacher in the 19th century, uh, Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers, said this to his students on on preaching. He says, take the text that you're going to preach from and make a beeline for the cross. (laughs) I love that. Because at the heart of this parable is the cross. Because the only way, friends, we can really listen, the only way, friends, that we can accept, the only way that we can bear fruit is because of Jesus. You know, when Jesus started this parable by saying, listen, he knew that in order for them to truly listen, accept the word, he had to go to the cross for them. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was made flesh, Jesus. That same Word that was scattered was the same Word that shed his blood for you and me. You know, if we allow him, the Father comes and turns the path into soul because of Jesus. If we allow him, the farmer comes and pours his living water into our roots so that we do not wither. If we allow him, the farmer comes and gently pulls out those weeds. Will you allow him this morning?
I want us to all stand. I want everyone to bow their heads and I want you to, I'm gonna invite the Holy Spirit to come. You can't, you know, when we preach the word, God says that he authenticates the preaching of his word with signs and wonders. He either says that or he doesn't, he does. So in faith, we're gonna ask the Lord to just demonstrate that word this morning. Come Holy Spirit. We're not gonna rush anywhere, we've got time. Come Holy Spirit, minister to your people. I want you to do this. As, as I pray, I want you to listen. Listen and have expectancy that God's going to speak to your heart now. Come, Lord, speak to your people. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to your people. Come, Lord, speak to your people. Where words have been forgotten, remind, remind your people. Where you have new words for people, pour them into their hearts. where they've stopped moving in words because of offense and comparing. Or oh, re-sow it, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Don't be afraid of the silence. In the stillness, we hear his small voice. Now, if you feel as if you've spoken from, heard from the Lord a word or a reminding or something like that, I want you to put your hands up. Great, hands going up all over the room. Bless you. Don't, be, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to come forward or anything like that. If you feel that you're hearing from the word, from the Lord, or a new word, or a reminding of a word, put your hands up. Bless you. Keep those up. And if you feel as if you're, the Lord is saying, I want to create a richer soil in you, if you've got this longing for the farmer to come and prepare the soil, I want you to put your hands up as well. Bless you. Yeah, hands all over on the balcony and down here. <clears throat> now, what we're going to do is all those that haven't got their hands up, I want you to open your eyes and look around. And I want you to go and stand by someone with their hands up. I want you to lay your hands on them. I want you to pray. We're going to minister to each other. Everyone gets to play. Now, for you, this is the word from God. Pray for my people. <laughs> Are you going to listen and accept it? <clears throat> if your hands up, there's a lady over here. There's a gentleman over here. Look around, guys. There's lots of people with their hands up. Move out of your seats. We can all pray. Nothing complex. Just say, Lord, I pray your blessing over this person. We've got two people at the front here. Can we get a lady and a chap over here at the front? wonderful just pray the Lord's blessing over these people has anyone got their hand up that's not been prayed for wave it at me wonderful thank you Lord thank you Lord more Lord pour your blessing upon these people with the word that you've sown into their hearts produce a crop for you to bear fruit for your glory and for those Lord that recognise that their heart needs to be a fertile soul for you would you go down deep Lord Thank you, Jesus. Wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. 
Can we have a chap down at the front? He's not praying for someone to pray. Is there a gentleman that's free to pray down here at the front? I know there are gentlemen free. Thank you. Bless you. Let's pray over there with that chap there. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. come more of you Holy Spirit just have to bless the person and if the Lord brings any words that you might have for that person feel free to share it a word of encouragement thank you Jesus thank you Lord I can see I can see just crops coming up sprouting all over this place I can see fruit coming up I can see rocky places being turned into fruitful soil I can see weeds being discarded and burned. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're going deep into your people. More of you, Holy Spirit. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Wonderful. Yeah, thank you, Lord. shift gears slightly keep praying if you're praying um, <clears throat> thank you Lord thank you Lord okay let's just um, wrap up those prayers Lord bless those prayers thank you Jesus and if you've been prayed for and you want more prayer at the end of this service my right your left the ministry team would love to pray for you if the Lord has really touched on something and you want more prayer, don't leave this place without getting prayer. In addition, as you know, our prayer team seek the Lord before the service for words of knowledge. And I have a list to hear. If any of this resonates with you, then my right, your left. The man here with progressive muscle wasting disease, if that's you, I'd encourage you to get prayer. Someone with digestive system issues, uh, someone with issues of self-worth, if that's you, get prayer. Someone with a pain in the left shoulder joint, if that's you, get prayer. A diabetic who has had it for a long time but has now become life-threatening. If, if that's you, get prayer. Someone with back strain injury through lifting a heavy object. Someone who has had brain surgery and a shunt fitted, which is starting to block. If that's you, get prayer. Um, a saliva gland not working properly. And lastly, difficulties of hearing in the right ear. If any of those resonate with you, get prayer. What I want to say before I speak, pray the blessing is if you're being prayed for now, as I've said, and you want more prayer, my right, your left. But equally, equally, if you just want to stay in his presence, just stay in this place. I'd like to ask everyone who leaves this room, don't leave with a noise and a rush. Leave quietly. Let's just respect the work that the Lord, the work the Lord is doing. Thank you, Jesus. And let me just pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you his perfect peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you all. Thank you.